What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Outside the Box Conversations. And in this week's episode, we have the first part of a two-part conversation with Dr. Michael Rice, who is a lecturer on healing. And in this week's episode, it's just fascinating. We talk about the power of forgiveness. And he walks us through, you know, the steps to forgiveness, what it actually means to forgive, and, and what that actually, you know, the, the consequences that that can have on your health. It's just, it's fascinating. I was fascinated by it. It, it wasn't the original topic of what our conversation was going to be about, and I just couldn't, I couldn't stop asking him questions about it. So that's what this first episode is, or this first, the first part of this conversation. So I'm going to let you guys get to the episode. This is me on Outside the Box Conversations with Dr. Michael Rice. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Outside the Box Conversations. And I'm going to be so geeked out about this conversation, and I can't wait for you guys to to, to jump in here because you have no idea what I'm talking about yet. But I, of course, am with Dr. Michael Rice, and who's a, a healer, a lecturer on health as well. And, and Dr. Rice, how's it going, man? It's rocking. I'm uh, looking forward to what we're going to cover today. We're going to have so much fun, and and from what I understand it, you you do you do radio as well. I have a radio show five days a week. I've been doing for about ten years. And uh, if any questions come out of our conversation today, people can call my radio show from one till two o'clock Monday through Friday at five six three nine 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 three five eight one, and we'll be having a conversation. I, that is so cool. I, I didn't even know that. I knew that you're on the radio on a on a very regular basis. Uh, that's a lot of radio time, man. You you have a, a tough time filling up the spot. That would be so hard. Not in the least. No, no. I can do five hours a day. There, there's so much to uh, to cover in this uh, field of wholeness and well being that there's no end to the conversation. Well, and it, the core. The core of what I do, we're going to be talking about a device today, but the core of what I do is actually first century Aramaic forgiveness. And it's the exact opposite of what this culture teaches is forgiveness. You know, the Greeks would say to you and I, well, you know, that person over there did this terrible thing that caused all this pain inside of you. But, you know, you should really be big about it and you should forgive them. You should let them off the hook for what they've done. Now, if there's pain moving inside of me, the reason there's pain moving inside of me is because there's something in me causing that pain. Sure. If I let him off the hook for what's happening inside of me, have I done anything to change what's happening inside of me? No, I've actually focused on the energy that's creating the pain. I focused on my disease process. I blame somebody else and I'm going to let them off the hook, which does nothing to change it. In the first century Aramaic language, when they talked about forgiveness, they talked about a technology and a tool where if you were in pain, you went inside yourself and removed the root of your pain. Nothing to do with letting other people off the hook for it. Exact opposite of what the culture teaches. So, so that's that's the core of the work that I've developed over the last 40 years. Well, I have about 40 questions because that is such a okay. fascinating topic, for one. Now, because I, I'm very interested in... Uh, inner healing, uh, stuff of that nature. Uh, so tell right. me like, you know, if, if forgiveness or, or letting people off the hook, isn't the answer, how do we no, how... forgiveness? Wait, 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 forgiveness is the answer. Okay. Letting people off the hook isn't. Okay. So how do we, what does it mean to let somebody off the hook? Well, you know, again, our culture says, just say, I forgive you, mm. which means I let you off the hook in Aramaic. You'd never be told such a thing. In fact, 
the man named Yeshua, they call him Jesus. His name is not Jesus. His name was Yeshua. If you go back to his first century Aramaic words, there's a passage where he says, you must forgive from your heart the wrongs of your brother. Now, that's made to sound like some sort of bleeding heart statement by the Greeks. But in the Aramaic language, the word heart today we translate as the unconscious. What he was saying is, you must go into your unconscious mind and clean out or remove that which you've put into your brain's image of your brother. That's forgiveness. And there's a technology for doing it. What do you mean by technology for doing it? Is there actual, like, is there like... I use a step-by-step, here's how you do the process. And, that... and that's on my website. My website's whyagain.org. And if somebody wants to know more about the forgiveness process, of course, they can call into my radio show five days a week and or go to the website. Upper left hand corner of the site says start here. It'll walk you through dozens of links that will explain exactly how our perceptual structures in our minds are exactly backward. And so we've been taught tools that are exactly backward. And what we're doing with this work is going back to the first century technology and reversing it and bringing it back into line with what the truth is. See, we've, we've been taught in this culture that, you know, I have a set of eyes, they're windows. I look out into the world and I see what's happening. That's the biggest lie that's ever been told. You don't have any windows to the world. You can't see out through your eyes. The eye is a one-way valve. Scientifically, light information comes into the eye. The eye receives it, and that causes energy to move in the brain. It resonates content in the brain. And the brain produces the picture world that you see. You're not seeing anything out there. Nothing looks the way your so-called eyes tell you they look. It's, it's not a two-way valve. You can't. Energy doesn't come in and you see out. Energy comes in and your brain generates a whole world called perception, a whole construct that is a replica. The title of my book is Why Is This Happening to Me Again? People can go to my website and download the book free. And why is this happening to me again? Because I have certain pained content within my structure that I refuse to be responsible for. And when it comes up, I blame everybody else. You made me mad. You made me sad. You hurt me. They did it to me. You really have a problem. You ever say that to somebody? Yeah. The question I ask people who, who, who do that is, if they're the one with the problem, why are you the one with the pain? Something about that doesn't make sense. Obviously, if they're the one with the problem, they'd be the one with the pain. If you're the one with the pain and you think it's their problem, you really have a problem. So would you... The problem is projection. Well, would you agree that um, your perception is your reality? So in your... Exactly what it is. We, there's an actuality that's actually what's going on in the world. And then everybody's mind generates a picture world called perception. And again, we've been taught we see it through eyes. We don't see it through eyes. There's no light that goes into the brain. There's no sound that goes into the brain. The brain, in response to energetic patterns, generates, constructs, literally constructs the world that we see. It doesn't exist out there as we see it. It exists. But it doesn't exist as we see it. And Dr. Rice, like just hearing you talk about this, I get so optimistic because w the way that makes me feel is that I'm in more control than I realize, y you know, and I find that if so we fascinating. Wake up and get out of the sleep. Yeah. You know, remember, remember in the ancient scriptures, it was a story about Adam and they said Adam fell into a deep sleep. You notice they never talk about, about him waking up. 
Most people are still asleep in Adamos. Adamos means red clay. Perception is a product of energetic patterns moving within the red clay. And the perceptions, the constructs that move within the red clay come from generations upon generations upon generations of insanity. So would you think like, or do you teach people to figure out the way they want to perceive things? Or Well, no, actually I, I, one of my workshops I do is called codependence to interdependence. And I list what I call the pseudo solutions of the non-being mind. The number one pseudo solution of the non-being mind is if I could just figure this out, figuring it out is the booby prize because your mind is a liar. It is the father of liars. There is no truth in it. It keeps generating according to its content. And then we overlay that, generated picture on the world and we think it's out there i mean especially when we're in any form of hostility or fear hostility or fear are signals that our mind is using corrupt data to produce its perceptual constructs mm. you know does anybody ever accuse you of saying something you absolutely never said doing something you absolutely never done Has that ever happened to you yes yeah so go back to one or two or ten times where that's happened and Tell me, was the person who was accusing you of that in a state of connected, sweet presence of love or were they in some form of hostility or fear? Hostility or fear? Sure. Their mind was using corrupt data, generated a whole internal world that reflected the content of their own minds and put them into a picture of you and said, look at what I saw you do. But that picture is made up of what's going on inside of me. It hasn't got anything to do with you out there. Are you a, are you a fan of the idea of like positive thinking, positive um, positivity, well, that sort of thing? I talk about I talk about in my book is the disease of premature positive thinking. Okay. If you've got a negative foundation and you don't ever clean up the foundation, you can do all the positive thinking in the world, and it's not going to be long before the structure you're trying to build falls over. So I call that premature positive thinking. Go in and clean up the structure, then positive think your way to the stars. But let's say your structure is only set to handle a one-story building. If you try to build three stories for it, one, it's going to fall over. And, and a negative structure would be a structure based in hostility or fear that says, I want great success, and I'm going to build it on this foundation of hostility or fear. It's never going to happen. If I go in and clean up the hostility or fear, if I go in and remove, forgive the hostility or fear, then I can build all kinds of structures. Till then, doesn't work. But so once you once you're on a strong foundation, you get rid of the hostility and fear. Oftentimes, you know that takes actual forgiveness. Then you can use the power of positive thinking and. Uh, kind of perceiving things in a way that's a positive. And then all of a sudden, you know, the world is your oyster for lack of a better. Everything shifts. Yes. That's so fascinating. But you got to do that underlying work first. And most people don't want to go there. Now, one of my favorite tongue in cheek lines in my workshops is notice if you've been through a particular painful reality, 87 different times with 42 different people, you're the only one that was there every time. It's about you. It's not about them. But the mind is the trickster. The mind is the liar. The mind can take everything that's about you and make it into pictures of other people. And people keep standing around pointing the finger at them. But when I'm in blame, I'm in denial. Denial 
is thinking or speaking as though something outside of me is the cause of what's moving inside of me. When I'm in denial, the truth of what's moving inside of me, I have to hide from myself. So I literally dissociate from the content of my own mind. Can you, can and now you that I've dissociated, I'm going to use that dissociated content to build my brain's image of everybody else, and everybody else will be the problem in my life. Can you explain for the listeners out there, you've mentioned content of your mind uh, a few times. What do you mean by content? I mean that, you know, let's go back and listen to Einstein. And Einstein says, on such things as matter, we've been all wrong. What we have heretofore called matter is energy, energy whose vibrations have been so lowered as to be perceptible to the senses. There is no matter. There is no material world. There is no physical world. We live in a world of energy. Relative to my integrated energy system, there are two qualities of energy. There's that which builds the system up and that which tears the system down. If I put tear down or disintegrative energy into my tissue structure, my tissue structure is going to fall apart and I'm going to die. Now, interestingly enough, in Aramaic, the word for disintegrative energy is sin. If you went on the archery, sin is actually in Aramaic, an archery term. If you went on the, the archery range and you fired at the target and you missed the bullseye, the scorekeeper would yell sin. And all that would mean is you're off the mark. When I understand that, when somebody says sin and, and understands how the energy system works, they're informing me that my energy is off the mark. And if I keep doing that, I'm going to kill myself. You know, the wages of sin is death. It's not some kind of theological threat. God's going to get you for something. It's physics. It's physiology. It's saying you put enough hate, fear, anger, rage, guilt, grief, condemnation, gossip, slander into this tissue structure, and it's going to fall apart and die. And you'll do that to yourself. And I use an acronym for sin, self-inflicted nonsense. We do it to ourselves. But we think our hostility and fear is about everybody else. So so how and do we how do we know when our energy is aiming on the mark or hitting the mark love will be present okay do you have any children i don't no have you ever been around newborns you ever held a newborn very cautiously (laughs) very cautiously okay so so go back to the moment where you first held a newborn yeah i mean actually put your hands in the position of holding that newborn and imagine holding that newborn and tap in, look, look into the newborn's face and tap into the essence of that newborn. What word would you use to describe that newborn? I would say peace. Peace, yeah. What else? Um, unconditional love. You do anything for, for the, the child, the baby. Mm-hmm. So I've asked this question of tens of tens of thousands of people all over the globe. And... 100% of the time, the answer is always some variation on the theme of love. Now, do one more thing. Tap in once again to the essence of that child. Is the child loving you or is the child love? The child is love. Now, you'll notice you came into a world where they told you, or pardon me, they likely what most of us had happened was we had the presence of love slapped out of us. And then we were sent out the door to go find somebody to love us or find somebody to love. And now we're living in the lie. If we don't know who we are, then we build a false self in the mind. And when we function of that false self, if you go back to Yeshua 2,000 years ago, he said, in order for you to live, you've got to die. So what, what has to die? The false self, the self based in hostility or fear, 
has to be replaced by the self that literally is the fact of love, the presence of love. It's what we are. It's not something we do. But when you confuse the language, if you read the writings of Vladimir Lenin, he says, if you want to destroy a culture, change the meaning of its words. So when they had love represents who I am, and they replace that with love, something I'm supposed to do to somebody else or get from somebody else, the mind became confused. And life is futile at that point. Until that correction take place, takes place and we function out of who we are, we're in trouble. Is that always going to be a battle, though? Even, even if we've we figured that out, we kind of know, we, we know that we have it, we found it, but aren't we always going to be kind of drawn out of that, out of love? Well, only if we don't have the tools to remove what is not love that's in us. The hostility and fear-based messages. In my codependence work, I introduce a, a, a dynamic that I call the power person dynamic. The power person is somebody in our lives that had more power over our lives than we did, was not functioning at love at a given moment, and we perceived it as survival, the situation. When those three factors occur, it's usually with children, though not always, and it's usually a parent. When that happens, the child opens its energy field wide, and let's say the power person, parent, or whoever it is, is enraged, that energy of rage is simply absorbed into the field of the child and becomes the root of who it thinks it is. In the future, that child will only ever be able to do, and I don't care whether they're 12, 22, 92, or 102, there are only three behaviors that they will be able to do for the rest of their lives until they clean up the power person dynamic, until they forgive that energetic pattern from that original experience. And their behaviors, and just check it out and see how this looks for you. And, and I offer this is what absolutely runs the whole world. The three behaviors relate to the levels of stress that we're under. When there's no stress, we'll do whatever we did to get along with our power person. That will be our normal persona. When stress starts to build, we'll do whatever we did to resist and survive with our power person. And when we become ultra stressed, we'll do what our power person did to us that we hated the most. Runs the world. Business, church, medicine, you know, government, the whole game. That's how it's run. And until that power person dynamic is discovered and one goes into their own structure and removes that dynamic, it runs their lives. It, it sounds kind of painful to remove that. Well, no, actually, it's really painful to keep it, to hold <laughs> on to it, to live out of it. You know, people say, well, that sounds like it's going to be really hard. Well, actually, it takes effort. It's not hard. It takes effort to do the work of cleaning up your mind. What's really hard is living in an underlying dynamic of hostility or fear, believing it's everybody else's fault, projecting and blaming them and trying to get a life together. That's really hard, but it doesn't take any effort. It's automatic because it's in what's called the automatic decision system in the mind. And it just automatically runs. It does take effort to do the other, but the other is the easy way to live. Believe me. So before we, before we get into Avicen, what would be a the kind of the, the first the first thing people can do uh, to to remove this to 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 re truly forgive? Because I'm fascinated by it. Yeah, 
Um, I'm wondering with as far as we've gone, if we, we should even talk about the Avison, we should just continue <laughs> this conversation. And I'm open, we could do the Avison another day or whatever fits or whatever works. But you'll notice that you've only ever pointed that power person dynamic, you know, the behavior that your power person did that you hated the most and you hate yourself when you do it, but you did it anyway. My God, I wish I hadn't done that. The, you'll notice the only time we do that, it was is when somebody isn't fulfilling the goals we have for them. Notice that unless you're just generally a miserable person, you're pretty happy with most everybody who's fulfilling your goals. But the minute somebody stops doing what you want them to do, notice you move out of what, you know, usually, you know, the to get along with power person, it was I'm Mr. Nice Guy. When stress starts to build, I'm Mr. Snarky. When I become ultra stressed, I do the hateful thing and the hateful words and the hateful actions my power person did to me that I hated most. And I only do that when somebody's violating a goal I have for them. So the first step would be to not have any expectations of others. Well, no, because that's a pretty unrealistic way to live. But here's what, what happens. In the Aramaic language, the word forgive is shabag, shabak, and it means to cancel. Now, in a conflict situation, canceling you is murder, probably not a very good idea. Canceling myself, suicide, let's forget that one. But in any situation that I'm in, I can always cancel the goal that causes my mind when it's, that goal is violated to use that power person dynamic. I'm always in charge of that. And the core of forgiveness, you know, let's say I'm interacting with somebody and they're being kind of nasty with me. And I just want them to be caring and gentle with me. And they're not. And I go into a fit of rage because they're not caring and gentle. With me. What would forgiveness look like? Now, this is going to sound really strange. And the reason it sounds strange is because our minds are programmed exactly backward. When I cancel the goal for them to treat me gently and respectfully, the perceptual construct driven by that goal collapses. And when it collapses, it collapses in on itself. And I get to look at the underlying dynamic, the content in my heart, my unconscious, that Yeshua says I need to remove in order to be free of that pain. Now people say, well, but, but you know, that's a perfectly good goal for them to be caring and gentle with me. Why would I cancel that? You're right. It's a wonderful goal. Everybody should have that goal for everybody in the world. But you'll notice if you have that goal and somebody violates it, you go into rage. You need to clean up your rage. Now, the problem isn't the goal. It's a perfectly wonderful goal. The problem is goals are the drivers for perception. There's some interesting Harvard research mm. that says that in a time frame where 10,000 brain cells firing, there are literally 10,000 measurable units of electrical activity going on in the brain, the max amount of data that goes into conscious awareness is nine bits. Obviously, if 10,000 brain cells are firing and I get to see a nine bit perceptual construct, something determines which nine bits my mind uses to produce its perception. It's my goal that drives that process. When I cancel that goal, the nine bit rage that comes up because they violated the goal collapses when I cancel it. And when it collapses, you know, think about the 9-11 towers. When they went down, you know, here's this tower 
at free fall speed dropping into its own footprint. Now, in physics, that's an impossibility, but that's another story. But just think about that dropping in on its own footprint. When I have a perception that's based in unconscious dynamics of rage, guilt, grief, condemnation, gossip, slander, vengeance, that is activated because I've loaded a goal in my mind. And so here comes this construct of my mind that shows me that you're obviously the problem. Now, I say to myself, well, I've been through this 87 different times with 42 different people, so he's probably not the problem. This must be my problem. What am I going to do? I cancel the goal. And that perception collapses. And when it collapses, it gives me access to what underlies it, what's in my heart, my unconscious. And when I bring it forward, and one of the steps in our forgiveness worksheet process is, uh, is holding to a space of love. When I bring that forward in the presence of love, it dissolves. That's when forgiveness happens. By the way, we have an app for that. You can go to your, your app store. Actually, we're just redoing it. We've just revamped our whole app, and it'll probably be a day or two before it's accessible on the Android or the iPhone. We're just doing some final work on that. But if you go to your app store and type in Heartland, all one word, H-E-A-R-T-L-A-N-D, Aramaic Forgiveness, you'll be looking at the world's only forgiveness app. You can go in and you can do the forgiveness work right there. There's a game for teaching it to children called the Dragon Klingon game. And then there's a, one of the workshops we teach is called Healing Through Relationships. And there's a commitment, several different forms of a commitment that we teach that, that gives a personal code for how a human would work, which is different than non-humans. And non-humans are those who live and exist without active present love in their minds. Just because somebody has a human form doesn't mean they're human. Unless love is present. Remember that newborn energy? Yeah. Unless love is present, you don't have a human present. That is fascinating. And the question the question I have in my in and, my and that person is in a disease state that will physically kill them if well, they don't give it up. And that's where I was going is is I wanted to kind of, you know, relate this to health and wellness, you know, because I feel like you know, solving a, a lot of these issues can really help somebody's health, which, you know, this show is called Outside the Box and uh, and we're, you know, a health and wellness practice. So it, it feels like this would be a very outside the box way of getting healthy. Yeah. I have watched. I mean, I could tell you about people person after person after person with just about every disease you can imagine disappearing that fast. When they forget Remember, we don't have a physical body. We have an energetic body. Right. When there is a dis-ease energy, a quality of energy in tissue that doesn't belong there, the tissue structure is disordered. Of course, we look at our perceptual system, looks at it with the eyes and says, well, that's distorted. We call that the ABC disease or this distortion we call the XYZ disease. The truth is there's only one disease. And that is an energy in the system that doesn't belong in the system. And when you remove it, if it's distorted, if it's supposed to look like this, but it's distorted to look like this because of the energy that's there, the minute you remove the interfering energy, it goes back to this. And health moves just that fast. People stumble across it once in a while. We say there was a miracle healing. Not about miracles. It's, the way it's, it's just the way it works. You go back to the Aramaic first century, and, and it's interesting, the Aramaic language is the root language of at least five of the world's major religions. Not because it's a religious language, it's a physics language. The man named Yeshua was a physicist, he was a physician, he was a psychologist, he was a, not a theologian, he was a geneticist, he was a physiologist, he knew exactly how it worked. 
And they called what he did miracles. But you'll notice when they call him doing those miracles, in most every case, when he's asked, he turns to the person and says, it was your work. It was what you did that made you whole, not what I did. And now the miracle aspect disappears and it becomes even more miraculous because when you understand how it works, it just works. That's super cool. Like I'm really, and we have I'm generations and generations of those patterns. You know, go back to the story of the Jews wandering in the desert for 40 years. I mean, think about this for a minute. Here are millions of people in a 35 square mile area and they're lost for 40 years. Now, these are a pretty bright group of people. They know exactly how astronomy works. They know where the sun comes up and the sun goes down. You think they couldn't have said, well, tomorrow morning we're going to get up and we're going to follow the sun. We're going to get out of this desert. It wasn't about a hot, sandy place. The desert is another code word for the unconscious. And you'll notice, you know, they, they said it was about 40. Most people are about 40 years before they start to scratch their heads and wake up and go, hmm, I've been through this 87 different times with 42 different people. Maybe I'm involved. Now they start to move out of unconsciousness. And then you'll notice what had to happen to get out of the desert, a code word for the unconscious, into the promised land. What had to happen? They said the old generation had to die off. That didn't mean everybody in old physical bodies had to physically die. The root of the word generation is genera. It means cause. All of the causes literally stored right down into the genes, the hostilities, the fears, the rages, and the guilts, the old causes of the trauma that people live in have to be removed. How do you remove it? It's called forgiveness. Forget about, you know, people will say, oh, so I just let them off. The never forgive anybody ever again, ever, never, never. It's crazy. But if you're in pain, forgive. Go inside yourself. Find the root of your pain and remove it. And whatever tissue is distorted by that pain, pain is just a signal. There's an energy there that doesn't belong. Whatever tissue is distorted by it, it'll go back to norm normalcy when the, t the interfering energy is gone. It, it, sounds, it, it sounds like I would assume that you know a little bit about epigenetics. I do. Yes. What's your thoughts on that? Ties right. What just ties right in? It ties right. Like that's what I was thinking in my head as you were talking. It was like, this sounds a lot like epigenetics. Yeah, the mental environment. You know, if you go to the opening words in the book of John, where we're told it says, "In the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh." Not what it says at all. In Aramaic, what it says is, "In the beginning was the mind energy, and the mind energy became flesh." Now, what the cell biologists are teaching us today is, when you think a thought, you produce a neuropeptide, an actual molecule in your structure. That neuropeptide circulates around in your structure till it finds a cell with a receptor site that matches. It lands on the receptor site. And when it lands, if you were looking on the inside of the cell, it's landing. What we see entering the cell is chemistry. Chemistry that is a, we call it chemistry, but it's just a reflection of the mind energy, the neuropeptide that's entering the cell. If it's of a disintegrative nature, now the cell is diseased. Forgiveness is about learning the skill of being able to pull those neuropeptides back out, learning to decode them, expose them to love and throw them away. That's forgiveness. And then, you know, you because you have a strong structure, you can replace that with the, you know, positive thoughts we were talking about and, and love thoughts and thus... Um, uh, live in a more healthy reality? Well, you know, epigenetics basically says the environment 
determines the activity in the gene. Right. And so what's the environment? If the environment is your created essence, which is not the culture's definition of love, sexual athletics, or what call you, what, what, what the culture te- speaks of, but literally when we go back to experiencing ourselves as conscious, active, present love, and that's the environment our physiology is steeped in, then physiology is run. Epigenics, the environment brings that forward from our genes and everything changes. Everything's different. There's a song out there called Everything is Holy Now. And we move out of this profane, projected, everybody else is the problem in my life, to where I get to realize I am the presence of the holiness of love. You are the presence. Now, a minute ago, I wanted to blame you for my pain. But now that I've forgiven my pain, I realize, well, maybe you even did something that was really terrible. And I now, as love, can perceive that whatever you did that was terrible was as a result of your epigenetics and your programming. And now, instead of the enemy wanting to bash you for it, I'm the space of compassion and love that can offer you healing. It sounds like you're just not allowing other people's stuff to affect you in that in that situation, correct? Whereas nope. I, th- I think a lot of times we we're subject to what other people are going through, especially those closest around us. Is that wrong? No. My, we're subject to what moves in us. And if I let other people's stuff be my epigenetics, the environment I live in, then it's going to seem like their stuff causes me to be this way. No. Got it. My stuff causes me to be this way. And my stuff may interact with your stuff. And you may think my stuff caused you and, my co- and vice versa. No. I'm only subject to the pain and trauma that I hold within my own field. And when I choose to own it and forgive it, when I stop denying ownership, when I stop blaming you and I actually take ownership, then I can start to throw it out. And throwing it out is the act of forgiveness. I, and I, when you throw I love it out it. integrative energy from a cell, the cell instantly recovers. I love that. It, it just feels so in control. Now, how are you doing on time? Because I do want to talk a little bit about Avicen. I'm good. I'm good. Or, or we can do another session on the Avicen if you want. Let's, let's because we've teased it. We teased it. Don't go away. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, Please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, We will see you guys next time.